Hey, it's great to be here. This is my first time in, where am I at? Okay, cool. <laughs> I was wanting to reconfirm where I was at. Uh, that's what happens with age and time. You don't even know where you're at. But anyway, uh, first time. And uh, what a thrill. When James called me um, and uh, mentioned about coming, uh, excuse me, um, um, never done this before in my life, a discipleship conference, but uh, I, I accepted as of the Lord and, and what he had for me. And, uh, and it is just an honor to be here. Um, you know, I, I, I flew in last night from Bogota and, uh, and they picked me up at the airport, um, the trip to the hotel, and then I tried to get ready. It was a long day, got up at three to, to kiss the flight. And, um, but I made the effort, uh, got dressed, uh, took a shower, don't worry, took a shower, <laughs> got dressed, and uh, was kind of waiting for the call. Uh, you know, saying, hey, Paul, we'll be by to pick you up to come to the service. And I, I wasn't speaking. It was Mark Trotter. Uh, you, you, you know, were blessed by him. That's what I heard, anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, so, and so I was ready to come, uh, but there was no, Greg never, he didn't pick me up. I mean, I showered, I got dressed, I was all ready to come to your mark, and, and no, no, it didn't happen, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's a good start to the conference. Good start to the conference. No, I, I <laughs> that hospitality. Um, that's, that's that Southern stuff, yeah. They just forget you. Uh, but, but anyway, no, it's, it, it's, it's cool to be here. Now, Mark preached, that's what I heard, and uh, like I mentioned, I wanted to hear him. Um, but, but anyway, now, now Mark's different. Uh, he moves when he, when he preaches. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I don't know what he's on. I, I, really, I don't know what he's on. Now, I could be on a lot of things. I live in Columbia, but I don't do that. I'm, 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 I'm spiritual. And... Um, but, so I don't do that. I mean, he, he literally acts out what he preaches. So if you don't get it verbally, you can actually learn by just watching. Uh, it's different. I, I like Mark. I like Mark. We had him in Columbia once. <laughs> Mark, is that your wife? I'm hoping you're sitting next to your wife. I didn't know who that was. Really? Did she fly in? Oh, I didn't know she was with you. Oh, you live here. Okay, I didn't. Mark's kind of like God. He's everywhere. Every, he's at all. <laughs> he's different. But, but we had Mark uh, once uh, in Colombia, and the key word there is once. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we made an album. My wife and I years ago, we made one album. Uh, Joe, and, uh, and, and, and when I say one, that's the key word again, there was no need for another. There was no demand. In fact, when I were, we were in churches, that was actually on deputation before going to Columbia, uh, I would promote our album uh, in the churches by saying, we normally sell these for $15. Well, we normally don't sell them, so we dropped it to five. And so 
that gives you an idea how great that album was. One album, one visit. And I'll probably, this will be my only time, so I need, I need to take advantage of it. No, it is. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks so much, James, Greg, all you guys uh, putting this thing together. And uh, we, we pray that the Lord will, will use this in our lives. Uh, we're, I'm from Columbia. I've uh, been there now nearly 40 years uh, ministering. And uh, basically, many of you know the story. Um, incredible thing that God has done. Uh, you know, most of you probably about the history of our country. Not an easy situation throughout the years. Uh, a lot of conflict, a lot of challenges uh, for our Colombian people. And when we arrived, starting with one family uh, in 1980, basically when I was 30 years of age, um, uh, the truth is I, I had no idea what was coming. Uh, I only knew that, you know, uh, I had God's word. I had uh, his power through his Holy Spirit in my life. I had been trained uh, by my father and others um, concerning missions. And uh, I knew a little bit about what I was to do. I knew a little bit about the Great Commission. But the truth is, um, very inadequate, uh, very um, normal guy, nothing special. Uh, but I, what I did have that was special was him in my life. And I just submitted my life to him. I said, Lord, you've got to do this. I've never started a church uh, in my life. I don't know how to really do go about this. Uh, just take your word and, and uh, Help me, give me the power to preach it faithfully, your, your gospel. And we start with one family, and then now, uh, my goodness, God, in a country that was so ridden with sin and conflict, uh, Colombia is becoming a, a missionary headquarters to get the gospel to the nations of the world. And it is to all of his, for his glory. Uh, we're, we're no one. This morning, uh, I think, you know, I, I heard... Um, Sam, he kind of crucified himself. He, he said he was nobody. And then, then Jeff did the same thing, so I wanted to make sure that I did the same thing. Before I... I did, that, I did not eat a burrito or... I, no, that's... No, no. It's the sound. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Man, I don't how I don't know how low is low. Uh, what do you where you want it? Where is it? I don't even know where the mic's at. Hey, now that that's dangerous. I'm not. You know what? Oh, that's not going to work. Cool. Math, Matthew, thank you, thank you. Start over, Matthew twenty-eight. Matthew twenty-eight. I know what you're thinking. Okay, missionary comes into town. Now he's going to preach about missions. That's all he knows. <laughs> but, you know, in reality, when we speak of missions, we must speak of discipleship. Yeah. And when we speak of discipleship, we must speak of missions because they're interrelated. Yeah. And, in fact, the, the central thrust of the Great Commission is discipleship. It's making disciples. And that's what we'll be seeing tonight. But Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20, Jesus Christ says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're speaking tonight on the simplicity of the Great Commission. I've, 
I've spoken on this text so many times throughout the years. And I don't know, the Lord recently showed me the, the simplicity of it. And sometimes we complicate things. That's our tendency, tendency, humanly speaking. And he showed me a very simple great commission. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. It is simple. And Christ made it simple because this is his very purpose for our lives and ministry. He didn't want to com complicate it. He didn't want to confuse us concerning what his will is for our lives. So it's simple. It's easy to understand. It's not easy to do. And we must make that, that uh, we must clear that up. It's the greatest challenge that we can accept as the body of Christ, is to commit to fulfill the Great Commission. And I say that because it implies battle. You see, whenever we commit to this, to fulfilling it, the enemy will do whatever he can to defeat us, to detour us, from fulfilling the mission, and to discourage us. But all the time, the Lord, at the same time, in the midst of the battle, the Lord assures us that this is His will, and in fact, this is the only thing, in the end, that's really worth doing. Now, I want us to pray, and I want us to ask Him to help us tonight and guide us in everything that's being said, and even how we receive what is being taught to us through the Scriptures tonight. Father, we thank You. We thank you so much for putting this together. Thank you for James, Greg, and all the church for their part, everyone that's participated. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to come from Columbia to share your word with these precious people. And I'm thinking tonight even of, of young people that you might call during these days uh, to the lost world, to other nations of the world. I just pray that you will be in complete control of everything that's being said and done. This is for you. This is for your glory. And we need you tonight. And I just commit my life to you, my heart, my mind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The very first thing that I want us to see is that there's one commandment in the Great Commission. And I say that because in verse 19, the very first phrase says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now, the word teach comes from the Greek word mathetuo, which refers to making disciples. In fact, in the Spanish translation, that's what it says. It says, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And it's really important to note here that this is written in the imperative mode. This verb to teach is a command. It's imperative. All the other verbs in the Great Commission are present participles, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's one command. It's to make disciples. Now, disciple is a learner of Christ. That is, a student of Christ, one who studies Christ and learns of Him. But it's more than that. It's an imitator. He and she is an imitator of Christ. Uh, a, a disciple is one that learns of Christ and, in fact, imitates Christ. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. We know God's purpose for our lives as believers is to be conformed to the image of his son. And that's what a disciple is. It is one that follows Christ, imitates him. We have an example of that. In fact, in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26 where it says, and when he had found him, speaking of, 
of Barnabas seeking out Saul to do the follow-up work of these new believers in Antioch. It says he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So what happened was they teamed together, Paul, uh, uh, Saul and Barnabas. They taught for one full year, and the result of that was disciples. Disciples. And then the lost community, I believe, referred to these disciples as Christians. The unsaved community, note, they took note, they noticed in the lives of these people that, that they, these, these believers in Antioch, that they were imitating Christ. That's what Christian means. Now today the word Christian doesn't mean much. In the beginning it did. Yeah. It referred to the disciples of Jesus Christ as being imitators of Jesus Christ, followers of him. So the command is to make disciples, in fact, of all nations, of all nations. In other words, it's referring to making disciples of all ethnic groups. The word nations comes from the Greek word ethnos, and it's talking about those people groups throughout the world, ethnic groups. Now, there's great discussion today as to how many ethnic groups there are in the world. Some suggest there's 17,000, others say there's 27,000. But let's say there's approximately 20,000 ethnic groups throughout the world. Now, when we hear this, we're thinking immediately, hey, mission impossible. But we know that Christ would never command us to do something that was impossible. And, and so it is a possibility. In fact, as we study the book of Acts, that's our missionary manual. As we study that, we see that this, this commission, this command is fulfilled, is accomplished by multiplying disciples from our Jerusalem to the uttermost. That's what happened in the primitive church. The church in Jerusalem started out with 120. And then we find in Acts chapter 6, we'll be seeing this, in fact, on Wednesday night. Acts chapter 6, we see that there was a multitude of disciples. In that same chapter, in chapter 6 and verse 7, it talks about they were multiplied, in fact, greatly. And then we know that God allowed a pers that persecution that scattered those believers out, and, and they scattered out, and they gave witness, and people believed, and then they made disciples of those individuals. They formed into churches where more disciples were made, and what the Bible teaches us is that, that they literally, that primitive church, multiplied itself out time and time again and made disciples of their entire inhabited world. So we have a model. We have an example. It can be done. In fact, it's a done deal prophetically. And I say that because in, in Revelations, in Revelations it says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, there they are, all the ethnic groups and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. It's a done deal prophetically. So the, really the issue is, do we want to be a part of it? The real issue is, how much glory do we want to give to our Lord and Savior? That's the issue. You know, in Colombia, we've decided that we want to be a part. We've decided that we want to give him all the glory that we possibly can. 
by standing before him with all the, the nations that we can possibly take uh, to his presence that day to praise and glorify him. That's what this command is really all about. Yeah. Now, applying this to our lives and our ministries, the first thing is, this is a command. And this is the only command. Christ didn't give us a bunch of commands. Just one. So there's no confusion. It, it's very simple. And, and we just do this because he said to do it. We do this out of obedience. We do not do this because we're a part of the Living Faith Fellowship. And uh, I thank God for the Living Faith Fellowship and, and the fact that, in fact, there's a discipleship conference. This almost is not happening uh, throughout the, the world today, uh, throughout the United States, when people come together to talk about this subject biblically. But, 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 but you, you have a heart for God and his word, and you understand that this is, is the command, and that's why you're here. But we do this not because we're a part of Living Faith Fellowship, and that's what the Living Faith Fellowship churches do. We do this because he commands us to do it. He says to do it, we do it. Secondly, this is the mission. This is the mission. This is the application that I want to give to it. This is the command, and this is the mission. This is what we do. This is our reason for existence. This is our purpose statement. You know, we could place in our churches on the wall, you know, our, our mission statement, our, miss, our purpose statement, whatever you refer to it as, is to make disciples of all nations. And that would be spot on. <laughs> we don't have to come up with another one. This is it. This is why we exist. Now, there's only one command. In fact, there's only one plan. There's only one plan to make disciples of all nations. And this is really important. There's one strategy. We don't have to come up with another. This is it. We find it in verse 19. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and the very first part of verse 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Now, it's interesting to know that there are three other verbs in the Great Commission. Go, baptize, and teach. And these are all present participles. One command, and there's three present participles. A present participle refers to or speaks of an on ongoing action, something that is continuous. So the idea that is presented in, in the Great Commission is that the church of Jesus Christ is to be making disciples by doing these three things on a continual basis. Day by day. These three things. This is how we make disciples. First of all, by evangelizing. To evangelize. We see this in the very first part of verse 19. Once again, I'll read it. Go ye therefore and teach. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You say, well, wait a minute, Paul. How do you get evangelism out of that? Well, Alan already mentioned to us um, about how that we understand the Bible. We understand the scriptures by, by the Bible by comparing scripture with scripture. And, and, and Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 also speaks of this going. Because Jesus says, he gives us his commission in the book of Mark by saying, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel 
to every creature. Once again, we're seeing the going, present participle. And it's referring to the very same thing that we find, in fact, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. When it says, go ye therefore, it's speaking of going to the lost world with the intention of evangelizing. Going to the lost world. Now this is the first aspect of, of making disciples. And I say this because for one to follow Christ, he must first of all have Christ. Now, this is really important when we think of a disciple, because normally the concept that we have of discipleship is, hey, this is it's the communicating of the Word of God from one a believer to another, and that is biblical discipleship. We'll be talking about that in a moment. But, but if, if we're honest, if we understand the Great Commission, in reality, making disciples involves and begins with evangelism. And this is vital because sometimes we are so busy doing the teaching that we forget the going, the evangelizing. And until the church gets this and lives this, we won't have anyone to teach. We'll have to put all the discipleship materials away in some closet because there's no one to teach. It begins with, with evangelization. It begins by taking people to Christ so that they can follow him in their lives. Well, we go to the lost world, and what do we do? According to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, we preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel being Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Why do we preach the gospel? Why is Christ asking us to preach the gospel to every creature? Because it is, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it is the power of God unto salvation. Notice what Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So what we're seeing here is that the, the, the strategy is to first of all go to the lost world. We're not to wait for them to come to us as a church. We're to go to them and we're to preach the gospel to every creature within every single ethnic group. Notice what it says, Mark 16, 15. All the world, in all the world, the text that we had before. Go into all the world. So now we don't have to worry about how many ethnic groups there are. We don't have to do a study on that because, in fact, in Mark 16, 15, it's all cleared up. He takes care of it, the Lord Jesus Christ does, as he gives us his commission, saying, it's to everybody, every creature. Don't worry about that. Everyone needs to know because Jesus Christ died for each and every individual. Amen. Columbia for Christ, for us. And that's our, our mission. Uh, that's how we describe it in three words. What that really means is, as we develop churches throughout the entire country, God does it through the ministry, through our lives, reproducing ourselves, making disciples, those disciples forming into churches. Those churches exist to get the gospel to every creature, every single Colombian individual in the country. There's 46 million people. And we talk about this all the time. We'll be talking about it more with you in the next couple of services. But you know what? Sometimes, and I think I mentioned this years ago at Mission Focus, we are so enamored with what's happening here. The totality of our Christianity so, so often is, is what happens within the walls of, of our facility. And we don't get it. We make disciples by going to the lost world and preaching the gospel to every creature. You have your field. I have my field in Columbia. 
Now the field is increasing by His grace. Now, now we're, we're going to, to Venezuela, we're going to Mexico, we're going to Peru, uh, going to Spain, and, and a, a couple is getting ready to go to China, another couple to Morocco. This is, it's amazing what God, but they've understood that, you know, this is, this is going to the lost world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Amen. They'll never hear till we go. That's right. But we're busy discipling Paul. Well, why? to go and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ, it's critical that we evangelize and that we evangelize biblically. And when I say that, when I speak of evangelizing biblically, I'm speaking of preaching a clear gospel. Jesus Christ crucifying, and he did that. That's our victory over sin, to cleanse us from sin, to live a new life in Him, not being enslaved to sin, Amen. being separated unto Him with our lives, clean. You see, He was raised from the dead on the third day to give us that victory over death. We're no longer condemned to eternal death. Through His resurrection, we have eternal life, and we have new life, an entire new life to live for Him. We preach a clear gospel, clear gospel, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in the life of every individual. And, and we, like, we allow every individual to make the decision to believe in Jesus Christ. And upon believing in Jesus Christ, now what we have is a new creature that is ready to follow Christ. Authentic conversions make for good discipleship. True conversion makes for true followers of Jesus Christ. Unsaved people can't follow him. So the first aspect of making disciples is evangelism. It's going to the lost world and preaching the gospel, understanding it's the power of God unto salvation to every single creature. You have your field, I have my field. I don't know the people in your field. That's your responsibility. You don't know the people in Columbia. That's my responsibility. Well, the second thing is to baptize. How do we make disciples? What is the strategy that Jesus Christ gives us in verse 19, the last phrase? It says in verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is a very important part of making disciples because any believer that desires to follow Christ must be baptized. Because through baptism, we, we are identifying with Christ. The believer is confirming that he is of Christ. In fact, he is preaching the gospel. He's preaching what has already happened to him in his life. He's been buried. He's been crucified, I say, with the Lord Jesus Christ, buried with Christ, and resurrected with him. That's Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. That's what happens to us upon receiving Christ as Savior uh, at the moment that we receive him, this is what happens to us in our hearts spiritually. So water baptism, we're, we're, we're publicizing, that's I'm thinking in Spanish, we are announcing, we are announcing that redemptive work that's already happened in our heart, saying that I am a, of him. Yes. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. So through baptism, we are identifying with Christ and we are obeying Christ. The, the believer is saying, I want to obey you, Lord, and, and in fact, I want to obey you the rest of my life. Now, this is critical when we speak of, 
of making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ because being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's all about obedience. And, and this is the first step of obedience. But the believer is saying, I want to follow you. And I don't know how you see what the text teaches us here, baptizing him in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost, but, but I believe it's more than just being baptized in their authority. I believe it's, it's being placed under their authority. We are submitting to the Godhead. We are saying, Father, I want to do your will. Jesus Christ, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, I want you to control my life. I submit to you. This has to do with obedience. This is huge when we make disciples because there has to be that hard attitude of, of humbling ourselves before the Lord, submitting to His will and saying, you now are my Lord, I want to follow you. I'll obey you. This is the very beginning of obedience as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well then, the Bible teaches us that the third thing to make disciples is to teach, and that's in verse 20, the very first phrase, because it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I, I commanded you, I have commanded you. First of all, teaching the believer what he commanded. That's what the apostles did in the book of Acts. We see in chapter 2 and verse 42, we see how that they, the Bible teaches us that the, this first church uh, in Jerusalem, the primitive church, uh, they continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine. And in reality, they were just uh, giving the doctrine that they were teaching. That was what Christ had given them. They, that's what Christ had commanded them to teach. It was his doctrine. We see the Apostle Paul, what he says in 1 Thessalonians. And chapter 4, and verse 2, it says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul taught to these young churches was what he received from the Lord Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ had commanded him to teach. In fact, that's what we find in the very epistles that you and I have today. That's what Jesus Christ commanded for him to teach. And this is what we should teach, you and I. Now this is very important because we must teach what he commanded us to teach. The Lord Jesus Christ, his teachings, what he has, because that's what makes disciples. That is so vital in our life because but you know, you know, this is what makes disciples. We are so enamored with the new. We're, we're always wanting the new materials. We're, we're always wanting the updated, the, 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 the more modern, the latest version, we, the new. The, when in reality, what we need to teach is the old. <laughs> what Jesus Christ taught over 2,000 years ago. In fact, he commands us don't overlook that. He commands us to teach that. We don't have an option. It's not negotiable with him. This is, this is what he commands us to do. You know what? The, the newer doesn't make disciples for Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. The newer is not better. It's the older that we must teach. It must be what he commanded us to teach. Teaching the believer what he commanded. And also it says, according to the verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, teaching the believer to observe all things. As we teach what he commanded, it's how we teach. How do we teach? We teach the believer to observe. Observe means to attend to carefully, to hold fast to, to be a keeper of. We see this very same word 
observe in this text, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep, that is, observe his commandments. Observe. And notice it says all, all his commandments, all things. This is discipleship. And this is so key because when we disciple the believer, it's not just giving him Bible knowledge. It's how we teach him. We teach him saying, now this is God's will for your life. We show that in individual believer, uh, God's truth, his instruction, his principles, his promises. And, and we say, now this is what you need to observe in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. They must decide. But the issue is, it's living out. It's holding fast to. I love John chapter 8. If you'll look there with me in your Bibles. John chapter 8 and verse 31. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Where Jesus Christ, well it says, first of all, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, Jesus speaks, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. The word continue. In Spanish it says remain. It's speaking of observe, observing, holding fast to, living out. Notice what Jesus Christ says, if you continue my word, then are, you, are ye my disciples Indeed, truly, indeed, the real thing. Notice, continue, remain, to continue, to grow. One by one, as, 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 as the believer learns what he teaches, what Jesus Christ gives us in his word, and they gradually grow and they gradually hold fast to in their new life of obedience, they're learning to be obedient, living all the things that Jesus Christ has commanded us to teach them. That application in their life. So here's what we've seen. The process is, first of all, the individual has Christ, has believed in Christ. The individual now is a believer in Christ, identifies with him through baptism, submits to his will, as his Lord, new Lord and Savior, and now as living Christ. That's how we make disciples. Take them to Christ. They make the decision concerning obeying him through baptism, and now it's a lifelong, entire life of living out all the things that they're to observe, what God has commanded us to teach them. Well, here's the application. This is the strategy concerning making disciples of all nations. There is no other. There is no plan B. There's plan A. This is a strategy. This is a strategy, in fact, that will make disciples of all nations. And it works. If we will do these three things continually, your church, your ministry will get to the nations and you will make disciples of nations all throughout the world. Sometimes people have, have come to me and they've said, Paul, what, you know, we, they've heard of what God has done in Colombia, and they say, what's the secret? What are you guys doing that, that maybe we're not doing? What, what are you doing that we've not heard of? 
Is there some new thing, new strategy that you guys are using? Tell me about what, what's happening, what's going on. And I share with them what I'm sharing with you tonight. We're, you know, first of all, it's no secret what we're doing. It's written in the Great Commission. We're just taking people to Christ. We're baptizing those new believers and we're teaching them what God has commanded us to teach them. His Word. That's all we're doing. Nothing new. Nothing secret. Secretive. It's all right here in the book. Well, the last thing. The last thing concluding tonight. There's one promise. Notice in, in verse 20. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. What we find here is that there's one promise. And it's in the last part of verse 20 where it says... Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now this is vital because this promise has to do with His presence. This promise has to do with the Lord being with us as we make disciples of all nations. And I'm convinced, I believe with all my heart, that this is conditional. I believe it's conditional if we obey what He has commanded us to do. What is that? To make disciples of all nations. And if we do it in the way that He has commanded us to do it, He will be with us. There, there's no reason for Him to be with us if we're not involved in His mission. It doesn't even make sense. But the promise is given to us when we are obedient to His command. Very simple. Well, what is the promise? It's His presence. He says, I am with you. I am with you. Now, this does not speak of Him being with us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but this speaks of Him being by our side. This speaks of Him being right next to us, by our side, as we are fulfilling the mission. We see an example of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 16 and 17. Paul says to Timothy, he says, At my first answer... At my first answer, no man stood with me. He's speaking of his defense there. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, notice what it says, the Lord stood with me. In the Spanish translation, it says, the Lord stood by my side. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by, by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul says, hey, every, everyone else abandoned me. Everyone took off, yeah. except for the Lord. Amen. And he was by my side. Yeah. And in fact, he strengthened me so I could fulfill with the mission. Yeah. So, so biblically, that's what it's speaking of. Now, we can't forget who the I am is. The one who's by our side is the one that was given all the authority in verse 18. All, all the, the authority, the power in heaven and earth as redeemer, as mediator, to accomplish the mission. Man, that is huge. When we, I, I'm thinking of Cale, and, and, and he's going to Hungary, and, 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 and this is huge for him now. And, and he's, he's starting out as we did years ago, and we saw this, and, and, and like Mission Impossible, and how vital it was for me in my life to know that he was by my side. Amen. That's the promise. So we have 
the command. It's very clear, go and make disciples. In fact, in the commission, he, he teaches us how to do that. The strategy is very clear. We just preach the gospel. They decide to believe or they reject. Those that believe, we baptize them. Upon baptism, then, then we teach them what he commanded us to teach them. And, and, and his teaching, that's what creates, makes disciples. We don't have to, to do any manip manipulating, humanly speaking. His word does the work. And, and so, so now we realize that, that we, in fact, we in fact have the Lord Jesus Christ by our side to accomplish this mission. How much more do we need? Do we have any excuses? Well, it, it refers to him being by our side. It's his presence. It's also his sufficiency. And I say that because the word here is always. Uh, there's an error there. It's always. Of course, because the, the promise is, I am with you always. This is not referring to a time element, but it's referring to the manner. And he's saying, in all ways. In all manners, I will be with you. And that's huge. Jesus Christ in this promise is saying, I am everything you need to accomplish this mission. I am your joy in the midst of sorrows. I am your strength in the midst of weakness. I am everything you need to make disciples of all nations. And then he says, even unto the the end of the world. Here we see his faithfulness. So now we're talking about time. It's every day. It's every moment until he returns. And then at the end, Matthew says, Amen. The Amen is not spoken, of course, by Jesus Christ, but Matthew. So be it. <laughs> and man, when I... I frequently read the Great Commission, and this part means a lot to me because, I mean, it's just one word, but it's huge because it's so be it. I don't know how many times I said with Matthew, amen. Yeah. Throughout the years, when things weren't all that easy, things that we lived, you know, in Colombia, with a lot of the drug war, all, all kinds of things, things that I've lived personally in my life, that I, I couldn't humanly speaking, deal with. And I said, Amen. So be it. Amen. And you know, He never has ever failed me. He's always been by my side. He's been faithful with this promise. With a very ministry in Columbia, many times not knowing, hey, what am I supposed to do? How do I do this? And, I mean, that's what we're teaching tonight, but ministry, sometimes there's things that happen that you don't always have the answers and, and you don't know how to handle certain situations, and he's there. Yeah. He's always there. He's faithful. Well, the conclusion tonight is, this is the commission. It's very simple. It's not hard to understand. The issue is, are we willing to be obedient to Him and do what He commands us to do in the way He asks us to do it? That's the issue. The issue is, do we believe the promise of His presence or not? Because if we don't believe it, if we truly don't believe He's by our side, we'll not fulfill the mission. We'll quit. We'll throw the towel in. 
We'll give up. Kel, you won't stay on the mission field if you don't believe the promise. The command, the plan, one command, one, one plan, one strategy, and one promise. That's the Great Commission. That's what Christ has given us to do. Now, tomorrow night and the third night, it's going to be more practical, but this is a foundation for what we're going to be seeing in those two nights. Let's have prayer. Father, we thank you so much for what you have shown us in your word, the simplicity of what you've asked us to do. We thank you, Lord, for, for your commission, for allowing us to participate in, in the greatest, the most sublime mission of all, your mission. The salvation of souls, making disciples of those souls, of those believers, so that they, in, in fact, can reproduce their life in others. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to understand tonight uh, what the command is and how to fulfill with what you've commanded us to do and that promise that you give to us that is so precious, knowing that you're with us, in fact, to fulfill it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.